podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Oh, the shark bait has such teeth there, and it shows them pearly white. Just a jackknife has old Maggie Heath, babe, and it keeps it out of sight. You know when that shark bites. Welcome everybody to another episode of Macklin's Take with me, Andy Clark, and Matt Macklin. As always, this is a bonus episode, and we will be focusing in on the big fight coming up this weekend between Alexander Usyk and Derek Chisora. Hope you all enjoyed the Tuesday episode with Big Enzo Mac going into all aspects of training. It was a really interesting conversation, and one that people have been asking us to do for a while. So it was good to it was good to explore all of that. But back to today's, and as I said, Usyk against Chisora, and we've got somebody on to talk about this who is phenomenally well qualified. I think he's probably the most qualified guest we've ever had on Macleod's Take because, as we know, Usyk is looking to win a world title in the heavyweight division, having cleaned up at cruiserweight. And our guest today has done exactly that during his own boxing career. Uh, not only that, he also boxed Derek Chisora as a pro, what, eight years ago now, got the win. And then in a fairly classic boxing story, not that long ago, it emerged that he had become Derek Chisora's manager, which was fairly surprising. We always like to say in, in, in boxing that, that nothing surprises us, but I don't mind admitting that I found that pretty fucking surprising <laughs> when the news of that came out. It is, of course, David the Haymaker Hay. David, uh, thanks very much for joining us. We, we find you um, in the bubble, do we not? You've just, uh, you've just been admitted. I've been admitted. I've been in here for about four or five hours now. Um, I was given a COVID test as I arrived here. Um, next door to the, I'll just show you now. This is the actual. That's the that's the roof of the arena that um, Usyk and Chisora will be contesting um, their epic battle on Saturday night. And uh, yeah, they they stuck the thing down your nose and down your throat, and they send it off to a lab and they test it. And if it comes back negative, all is well. If it comes back positive. We got ourselves a problem, and um, fortunately, what I did prior to—I've been getting tests. Me and all of the fighters, pretty much every day, we've been doing a test to make sure that everybody in our team, in our bubble of the training gym um, down at London Shoot Fighters Gym in Wembley, and in uh, the Haymaker Gym in Vauxhall, everybody's been getting daily tests. You know, because when people leave the leave your, your gym, you don't know who they're mixing with. You don't know what, what they're, who they're coming in contact with. So just to be doubly safe, we've got some real pro- big protocol going into these gyms. We've got this MyDis um, portal where you walk in and it hits you with some water-based anti-back all over your body. So if you've got any COVID on you, it, it, it kills it. It's antibacterial and you go into the gym and we have all these, these foggers we put everywhere. We've really gone um, over and above to make sure at every process that, you know, we're not going to, get popped for for covid and it's uh we've seen it happen and but this fight's so big Derek Chisora spent a whole year getting himself into the type of shape he is now and he can't I'm not sure if he can, <laughs> he can do it again we've managed to peak him perfectly and um you know we we really went over and above making sure we spent a lot of money 
making sure that everything was neat and tidy, making sure that everyone was healthy, um, making sure everyone's immune system was strong, making sure everybody were getting these, these the, the green juices, making sure everyone in the team was healthy. We don't want anyone's immune system going low, so some one of them may then get a regular cold, but a regular cold has the same symptoms as COVID. So we don't need any of the team having to isolate. So we really, as collectively as a team, had to make sure we're all super healthy. Um, and um, here we are. We're finally in the bubble. I got to wait now till I think tomorrow morning to get the results back from the test that we did here um, at the hotel, so I can be let out of this room. But once let out, I'm only allowed then on this floor, and I think it's a third floor, I believe. And that's it until fight night. And then we leave the hotel, go across the road with security into the, the venue. And that's it. We fight and then we're out. We're clear. We're clean. So it's uh, I've never had to go for anything like this before. It's very, very strict. There's security guards out of it, outside everyone's room, making sure you can't slip out to a kebab shop or whatever it is you might want you wanting to do. You know, it's really, it's really um, regimented. You know, each per each person here has basically their own security to make sure they're not going to try and climb out the window or go into some. You're not even allowed to go into other people's rooms. It's really, really strict. But you know, Eddie Hearn has made sure you know that this 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 event doesn't get cancelled because um, that'd be a travesty for the fans, for the boxing fans, for all the fighters and all the staff involved if a fight of this magnitude is unfortunately cancelled because someone gets popped for COVID. So, so what kind of what kind of headspace is is Derek in at the minute? Because we are of the opinion generally that that he's a fighter who, over the last year or so, has has buckled down more to the discipline and demands of being a professional fighter than he has done previously. The demands are massive, of course, but as a fighter gets older, that does sometimes happen that they realise that now really is the time is the time to deliver that that. That scenario you've just, you've just outlined there, I would have struggled to imagine Del Boy coping with something like that. Not until fairly recently, to be honest, because I think it's fair to say he's not really the kind of individual who likes to have any kinds of limitations or rules in, in, imposed on him. No, Derek doesn't like to be, um, he doesn't like rules. He doesn't like um, protocol. He likes to go against the grain. And... Um, He's realised as he's got older, time's ticking away. The, the the sand timer of everyone's career is going out. My one's emptied. He doesn't know how much he's got left, but he knows he doesn't know he doesn't know what's left. So he just thinks to himself, "This is it. I, I'm never going to get an opportunity again to fight someone who's the mandatory uh, to fight someone who's so highly um, regarded." In everybody's pound-for-pound pound, uh, list, if you go to anyone's pound-for-pound pound top 10, Usyk is in everyone's top five. He's so, he's so respected by the purists, by people who know about boxing. They knew what he did at Cruiserweight. They knew what he did as an amateur world championship uh, gold medal, Olympic gold medal, the, the WSB, the sort of semi-professional, beating the likes of Joe Joyce at super heavyweight. Now he's turned professional, 17 fights. He's cleaned up the division. Ring magazine champion, lineal champion, WBC, WBA, WBO, IBF. What more could he do? There's nothing more he could have done except step up in weight and try and do what only myself and the legend of Holyfield have done, the real deal, and become a two-weight world champion. 
He believes he can do that. And he's chosen Derek Chisora. He's picked Derek Chisora as a marking time fight. He knows he's the mandatory for Anthony Joshua's title. He could go and chill on holiday somewhere and get his shot. But instead, he's picked Derek Chisora to say, Derek Chisora, I need to stay busy. I need to keep active. Let's get Derek Chisora in. I think I can handle him. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do to Derek Chisora what no one's ever done to him before. I'm going to show him some things he's never seen before. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to do what I didn't do in my first heavyweight fight against Chad Witherspoon, which was look devastating, look like a future world champion. He didn't look like that in that fight. He looked like someone just getting to grips with someone who was significantly bigger than the guys he's used to fighting. So now he's had a lot more time to sort of acclimate to the heavyweight division and he wants to put on a show. He doesn't want to win this on a boring fight on points. He wants the British public, he wants the world public to say, yeah, you're the manager. We want to see you and Anthony Joshua. That's what he wants. And to do that, he's going to have to do an absolute number on Derek Chisora. He's going to have to do something he's never had to do before. He's going to have to stand in a pocket. He's going to have to punch hard to keep Derek Chisora off his chest. And it's, it's just make it's all the hallmarks for an absolute classic, this fight. Over, you said there that he, um, he could sit on his ranking, his mandatory position. Yeah. But, and obviously he fought Chaz Witherspoon, who really was a big step down from the level yes. of position he had been fighting at. On four but, days' notice. Four days' notice he had for that fight, Chaz Witherspoon. Yeah. yeah, and in order for Usyk, if he's serious about going on and becoming heavyweight champion of the world... He's going to need a fight like this yeah. against Chisora, isn't he? Yeah, he, he he really does. And that's why I think he, he he chose Chisora. You know, he could have picked anybody. You know, he doesn't need to fight anyone to work on his ranking because he can't get any higher. He's the mandatory. He's next in line. So a lot of uh, managers, promoters, what they'd do, they'd pick someone, pick someone easy, just to stay busy, just to go for a training camp. But you don't want to risk that big, multi-million pound payday, win or lose against Anthony Joshua. But his people have made a, a horrendous miscalculation. They've watched Derek Chisora's previous fights against Southpaws, against Sainal Gashi, where he didn't even realise he was a Southpaw in the fight. He just realised he couldn't land any shots. He then, he then fought Artis Bilka, put on a better performance. But Usyk is a very different proposition than Spilka and Gashi. Um... You know, Usyk believes he's significantly better. So he thinks he's got the answers to what Derek's going to bring to the table. But he doesn't know what Derek's going to bring because what Derek's learned in the last year behind closed doors, we're doing a whole new training program, a whole new lifestyle. He's taking it to, li- to the limit. You know, I always said in the past, Derek does 80% of what he's told. And just doing that 80%, you guys have all seen the benefits. You said, everyone's saying to me, I don't know what you've done with Derek, but you know, since, the, you know, since that didn't, even the Dylan White fight in the fight he lost, he still looked fantastic. He looked great in that fight up until he ran out of steam and got knocked out. His engine is significantly better now. His punch evasion is better. The shot he got hit with against Dylan White, he wouldn't get hit with that now because he rolls after he punches. He does stuff and takes his head out. He's not just thinking about what he's doing. He's thinking about what's coming back at him. He's got counterattacks. He's doing so much more now than he was doing then. And he's had a solid year, thank God, for him to get himself into this position, this physical position, to really put the heat on Usyk and force Usyk to fight for 12 rounds. He's going to have to fight for 12 rounds because if he doesn't, he's going to get he's going to get mullered real fast, real quick. He's going to force Usyk to fight. And Usyk can fight. 
Usyk can stay in the pockets. Usyk can let his hands go. But can he do that? Can he do that with someone who's naturally 20, 25 kilograms bigger than, than himself? It's unknown. I don't believe he can. I don't believe he has the firepower to keep Derek Tazora off him. I fought Derek Tazora. I know how hard it was to keep him off my chest. I had to work with the guys that Derek's working with now, the guys at London Shoot Fighters, you know, Alexis and Marius. We were working on pummeling. We were working on pushing and pulling and angles, wrestling, grappling. I had to do that before I fought Derek. Derek didn't do that back then. So when it came into the clinches, if you watch my fight with Derek, I was the one walking him back. I watched Holyfield versus Tyson and realized Holyfield was a, when India, anytime they came into a clinch, Holyfield was the one who's walking him back because, you know, Tyson was expecting uh, Holyfield to, to move around and run from him, but he didn't. He took it to him. And that's similar to what I did. Now Derek's got that same infrastructure, the same team that trained me for, for Derek Zora. We've got Derek Zora with that team now. So Derek Zora has the, the, he has a team. He has an, an, a mindset now. He, there's so much more to his arsenal that he's never had to, that he's never needed it, that he's never had in a fight before. And he's going to need it in this fight because any performance up until now that he's had would not be good enough to beat Alexander Usyk. And I'm aware of that. He's aware of that. That's why we're thankful that it's a different man now. It's a guy who's listened. That 20% he wasn't really listening to me for in his previous fights, he's now listening 100%. You know, he's taking it way beyond what he thought was the limit. He thought his limit was here about this is maximum training. It's gone literally so much further. He's getting the rest. He knows now after I train, I can't be going to these swanky restaurants in London. I can't be driving around with my buddies. I can't be, you know, eating this, having a little snack that. No, he's on his diet. He's on his sleeping. He gets to the gym. He does his warm up. He does his cool downs. He does all the things he never used to do, you know, and he does them to the, to the limit because he knows this is it. There's nothing else. He knows when he walks to the ring on Saturday night, he couldn't have trained any harder. He was at maximum every session and we've peaked him perfectly. So this week he's had off. He's recovering. He's rejuvenating. He's getting fully loaded. He's got a full clip. In previous fights, he's, he's an AK-47, but he's only had half a clip. He's let, he can let him go, but he runs out. He ends up trying to club you over the head with it or trying to do you the bayonet. Now he's got a full clip to go for 12 rounds. He's never had 12 rounds of action in him. He's fought for 12 rounds, but he's probably been exhausted after, after four rounds and just fighting on instinct and heart. This time he can hold his form together consistently for 12 rounds. He's never in his life been able to do that. The more, he's done more rounds in sparring for this one camp than he's done in his last 10 fights put together. And he's taken less punishment in those rounds as well. He's done more sparring, taking the significantly less punishment and thrown pretty five times as many punches in those. We do. He's ready for this fight and Yusik is unaware of what he's bringing to the table. So what do you think is going on in the head of Alexander Usik? Sounds like a, a strange question to ask because it would require you really to be a mind reader, but you have been where he's been. Uh, you, you unified in, in the cruiserweight division and you always had your mind on stepping up to heavyweight, which I'm sure he did as well when he turned professional. So to what extent, no matter how well things have gone up to this point for him, to what extent will there be doubts? There will be no doubts. No doubts whatsoever. You can't be the undisputed cruiserweight champion who's the Olympic champion, world champion. You can't have never lost a fight for these years and expect to lose a fight against a guy who's lost nine fights himself and was knocked out four fights ago. Why would he think that? He hasn't got 
to where he's got to by doubting himself. He's got to where he's got with for having ultimate confidence by being as best as he can be. He looks at Derek Chisora's record and thinks, okay, if I can't beat Derek Chisora, then what's it all about? And I understand that. I've been there. I've been the cruiserweight champion moving up to heavyweight. When they say, who do you want to fight? I said, whoever. you got a guy called, I fought in a guy called a Monty Two Guns Barrett. Big puncher. Everyone said, oh, he's ranked number 10 by the WBC. He's a, he's a handful. You, can, you know, he knocked out Ty Fields, who's six foot nine, who was undefeated in his last, in the fight before me. I said, I don't care. If I'm going to be the heavyweight champion, if I can't beat him, then what's it all about? I'm not going to be champion. So find someone in the top 10. Let me fight him. I'll knock him out. Then I'll fight for the heavyweight title. That was my mindset. My mindset was that of ultimate confidence, I could beat anybody. And uh, a guy who'd lost, I don't know, three or four fights or whatever it was prior to me, I was more, I was more than confident that I could beat him. And I feel Usyk will feel exactly the same way. He'll walk into this fight here. He'll want to put on a show, just like I did. It was my first big heavyweight fight against a top 10 heavyweight. I didn't just want to win the fight. I wanted to win spectacularly. It was at the O2 Arena. It was my homecoming fight. You know, I just won unified uh, all of the belts against Enzo Macchiarelli at the O2 Arena. And it was my next fight. I wanted to give the fans a taster of what they're going to get in the heavyweight division. And I did that. I'm not, I actually got knocked down in the fight. I put him down like four times. He put me down once. Up and down affair. Explosive, exciting, edgy seat stuff. Knocked him out cleanly. Everyone said, Fantastic. Let's get you in for the heavyweight title. You showed your world world class at heavyweight. And my next fight was against Nikolai Valiev, which I won. This is something that Usyk didn't do against Chad Witherspoon, who wasn't a top 10 tough, dangerous guy coming off big wins. No, he was a guy who was a car salesman coming in on four days notice. See the difference? And he struggled in over seven rounds. He won the fight clearly, but there was no clean knockdowns. Chad Witherspoon just got tired and retired on the stool. This is his fight now at, in Wembley on Sky Box Office. All the pressure's on him now to perform. It's not just to win. Everyone expects him to win. How he wins is where the key comes in. And when he tries to win spectacularly, it means he has to hold his feet. It means he's got to put hands on Derek Chisora. To put hands on Derek Chisora, you've got to be in arm's length. And to, once you're in arm's length, Derek Chisora's got just as long arms. And Derek Chisora's going to be swinging with you. So you better have a good game plan. You got better be ready to take some shots because Derek Zora just throws punches, punches from strange angles that he probably would not have been used to. A lot of the guys that Alexander Usyk has fought before have been world champions, world-class international amateurs who have a very amateur, not amateur style, but a very international amateur style where the, t- the technique's perfect, hands are neat and tidy. Derek Chisora is throwing crazy punches from crazy angles. He doesn't even know what punches he throws a lot of the time. He's, he goes southpaw sometimes. Over the, he just stands there, lets his punches go. It's a difficult style to deal with if you're not used to it. And uh, I, I, I remember how awkward it was. It, it may have looked easy when I fought him, but it wasn't. I remember the shots he was hitting me to the body with were, were significant. And if he hits you sick with his body shots, who has a very high held guard, leaving a lot of body could slow a man down. It could force a man to hold his feet, to fight a lot more than he'd ordinarily do. It may stop him moving around, boxing. It might want him to stand there and hold his feet and prove that he's got heavyweight power. And the moment he does that, it becomes a toss of a coin. Who lands on who first? Hey, 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 kids. Hey, everybody. Sitting here with a famous Slovenian philosopher, 
How are you doing, sir? I am uh, in health, thank you. Are you uh, excited about something? I am excited about this latest uh, CIA-funded venture. A CIA venture? Yes. It's called the Desire and Capital Podcast. Oh, what is it about? I refuse your fascist question. Well, there you have it. Listen to the Desiring Capital Podcast, coming soon to a bourgeois platform near you. On your marks, get set, go! Matt, do you think that the inactivity that Usyk's had since he unified those cruiserweight titles with just that one fight, because he was supposed to box Carlos Takam, which I think would have been a great first fight at heavyweight for him. That would have been May last year. That didn't happen. He's had some injuries and everything's just got kicked back. Do you think that that is a potential problem for him? Yeah, look, you know, the, the, the inactivity is an ideal. The fact that he's fought Chaz Witherspoon, who, who David rightly said, you know, he's not a top contender, far from it, very slow. And Usyk didn't look a million dollars against Chaz Witherspoon. That said, I think he'd probably struggle to really get up for him going from the level of opposition, albeit at cruiserweight, to then find someone like Chaz Witherspoon. Obviously, he'll be super-duper up for it against Chisora, main event, pay-per-view, Sky Sports, all that. But I was wondering when David was talking about the uh, improvements in preparation that Derek has made, obviously the conditioning, obviously his diet, his sleep, everything like that will be so much better. But he also touched on he's moving his head after he finishes punching. He's making tactical and technical adjustments. But I'm wondering without, and I'm, I'm trying to factor in the fact that David said he's done lots and lots of sparring to kind of reprogram that into his game. But I'm wondering on the, without having a couple of fights to implement that and make incorporate that as part of his natural style now, on the night of the fight, does he go back to, does he revert to type? Does he revert to what's been programmed over the years of his fights and not just, can the amount of sparring he's done without the fights to, you know, bring it into your actual fighting style? Is it enough to get it a part of your style? I'm interested. What do, I mean, you've obviously seen all the sparring, David. Is, is that yeah. kind of second nature now? Is he moving? It, it, it feels, it, he's had to have done as many rounds as he's done for it to be second nature. He's had to hit the pads as thousands and thousands of times, hit the bags thousands and thousands of times, doing the, the drills thousands of times. And if you look at his two, his last two fights against uh, uh, David Price and um, Artur Spilka, they were devastating knockouts. He was coming forward, he was moving his head, he was throwing body shots, head shots, and he got both of those guys out there in very, very impressive style. And he got hit a couple of times, he got hit by a big uppercut from uh, from Price, who's a massive hitter, and showed that, you know, it doesn't matter. I can, I'm can i going to keep coming. And then if David Price wasn't able to knock him out with that uppercut, it's going to take a, a lot more uppercuts from Spilker to, to put him over, you know, because he's got a granite chin. He's, uh, you know, the only time... I don't think he's ever been knocked out when he's been fresh. You know, when he got knocked out against um, Dylan White, it was in the 11th round after an absolute epic battle where they were both throwing the kitchen sink at you, each other. And I was there in the preparation for that. Derek rarely won a round of sparring in preparation for the Dylan White rematch. I was, I was the first time I'd actually been in his camp and watched how he did things. And he was, he was getting battered in every single sparring session. And I, and, and Don Charles said, this is just how he spars. This is, this is, you know, what, what he, this is, you know, he, he, he performs on the night effectively don't really don't really watch what he does in sparring he just needs the rounds to get through to it he all of the sparring sessions he, he let's say we had eight rounds after five rounds I, he'd stop for whatever reason 
So he wasn't quite getting there. And then in the fight, he after he threw a body shot and he didn't have the, the program to roll underneath it and got caught with that left hook. Since that point, he's changed a lot in training. We make sure he doesn't have rounds where he's getting beaten up in sparring for no reason whatsoever. Every sparring session, he's working on a specific thing and he keeps working on it till he's done it. And now it got to the point, probably the last 40 rounds of sparring, he hasn't lost a round. Not because the guys weren't trying. We made sure there was no sparring partner who did any more than two or three rounds a piece each. We'd have five or six sparring partners, all fresh, all with a thousand pound bonus if they can put him down. So they're putting heat on him in every one of those rounds, trying to knock him out. And his head was moving. He wasn't, he was getting hit with so many fewer shots than he was getting in the past. He's a different animal altogether now. He's focused, he's he's zoned in. And he wished he did this in in from day one. But we are where we are. He's 36 years old. He's fighting a guy who's the mandatory for the WBO title, who's not a natural heavyweight, who hasn't been in the ring with a world-class natural heavyweight. Hasn't been hit in years and years by a guy who weighed more than 200 pounds because he's been fighting at cruiserweight, campaigning at cruiserweight. You'll go all the way back to the amateurs when he did the WSB um, against the likes of Joe Joyce, who also had amateur styles and they were still parallel arms, just the usual, the, the British amateur style. He hasn't fought anybody with that come forward, head bobbing, that Joe Frazier style where you're, you're bobbing and weaving into range, letting head body shots go, head shots go. He's he's going to be, he, he's going to get to round five or six if he's lucky to get to that, that far. And he's going to realise he's ill-prepared for the fight he's found himself in. But he's not going to have the energy to change his style because he would have taken so much punishment in those first five, six rounds that he's, he's going to be sort of a Custer's last stand where he's just going to have to stand there and try and get Derek Chisora out of there. He's going to have to hold his feet at some stage to try and get Derek out there because he's going to realise he can't go 12 rounds at the pace that Derek sets. He's going to be very, very surprised at the pace that Derek Chisora starts with and I don't think he can live with it. I've never watched any of you six fights where the pace will be what it's going to need to be for him to get through this fight. So if maybe he's done more than he's ever done before, I don't know. But he's carrying an extra 10 kilograms on him for the first time in a big, real fight. He didn't look that great when he went up against Chad Witherspoon, so it'll be interesting to see how he, how he performs now. David, I'm guessing that, you know, Usyk in preparation isn't going to try and get into a strongman competition with Chisora. He's going to use that half step, land a few shots, turn him, use the angles, get out and just keep changing the angle. Very much like a bull and a matador. No doubt about it. That, yep. But the million-dollar question is, can he do it for the 12 rounds? Now, you boxed it. You went from cruiserweight to heavyweight. You put on that extra weight. Yeah. How did you find your mobility? And and in terms of, was it energy sapping carrying the extra weight in your first fight or two? I When I when I beat, um, when I was the cruiserweight champion, it's 90 kilograms. When I fought uh, Vladimir Klitschko and Derek Chisora, I was 95 I, I was not, I was only 10 pounds over my weight. 10 pounds over the cruiserweight limit. I didn't put on that much weight. It's like five or six, five or six, uh, five or six kilograms. It's not a lot. I did, all I did was, you know, I just ate more food. You know, I didn't really do that much to bulk up. Everyone thought I was bulk, bulking up. I wasn't, I wasn't that much bigger. You know, when I went up to, when I went up to heavyweight from cruiserweight, I'm not sure how he's done it. I'm not sure how big he is naturally. Did he used to come down to cruiserweight? You know, I never used to come down that much. I think the most I ever got over the cruiserweight limit was maybe 20 pounds. 
And I used to get about that's when I wasn't in the greatest shape and I was eating what I wanted to eat. But when you're used to fighting, if you strip all the body fat off of Usyk, he'll be 90 kilos. I looked at him earlier when I did some training. He didn't look as ripped as he normally is. He looked like he was carrying a bit of excess. So he hasn't put on lean muscle. He's just put on a bit of body fat. Ain't nothing wrong with that. But that's dead weight. He'd probably be better off just coming in a cruiserweight, to be honest. I don't believe having additional kilos of fat. doesn't Having extra fat doesn't make you stronger. doesn't give you better endurance. All it does is it's just a handicap for you. It doesn't make you any better. You know, it's, it just slows you down. I don't realize, think he, I think he's so skillful. The sparring partners he's been having, he, for instance, he brought over Dave Allen, a good sparring partner. Allen's performance against David Price. And look at Derek Chisora's performance against David Price. Two polar different performances. So why bring someone who's significantly worse than Derek? Does that mentally prepare you for the right thing? Does that, is David, is Dave Allen able to close the range like Derek will? I don't think so. I think Usyk against uh, Allen will ha- do what he wanted to do, will have his way, will keep him at bay at long range. And when he comes in, he can sting him. As uh, Dave Allen said, he said it was he's never been in the ring with anyone as good as that before. And I understand that because he probably hasn't. You know, so it's a very, very, you know, but you could look at Chisora. He's been there with myself. He's been there with Vitaly Klitschko. You know, he's, he's sparred everyone. He's sparred Anthony Joshua. He's, he's been around and done it. He's had the fights with Dylan White. He's been there, done it at a much higher level. And what he's going to bring is something that Usyk hasn't seen yet. And you could say the same things for um, Derek as well. He hasn't had a southpaw of that level yet. But he, fortunately for Derek, he's had two southpaws in his last three fights, which is, uh, which is fortunate for him. So it's not going to be a big surprise. And he fought a guy, Artis Bilka, who went nine rounds with Deontay Wilder. So he's a, he's a cruiserweight who knows how to look after himself. If you go nine rounds with Deontay Wilder, you, you know what you're doing. You know, you know, bum. You know, so Derek Tazora got him out of there in a couple of rounds. I think that's a good performance. I don't think people really recognize what that performance meant against a Southpaw, a Southpaw who everyone said Derek didn't know how to deal with. But doing a training camp, doing the right things with the right strength conditioning, with the right drills, he's programmed himself to be able to deal with the Southpaw style and he's doing it better than he's ever done it before. And I'm really fortunate, really happy that we can go into this fight knowing everything's been done. He's as fit as he's ever been in his whole life. Technically, he's better against the Southpaw than he's ever been. He's sparred more rounds in this camp than he's ever done before. He's got hit less than at any other time in his career. I'm happy. As a manager, I've managed the ecosystem of, of Derek Chisora's training camp to a point where we've got a man now who's optimal. The best Derek Chisora will be there on Saturday night. And that's all I can do. I'm really, I'm more confident for this fight than I've been for any other fight that I've been working with him, working with him. The David, including David Price, including Spilka, uh, Gashi, Dylan White. I was confident, but I wasn't 100% confident because he hadn't done the things in training camp. I would require him to do to give me the confidence to know he can do it for 12 rounds. I knew deep down he couldn't do it for 12 rounds in any of those fights, but I knew he might not need to. I knew he's, I was told by his old team that he doesn't need 12 rounds. He just does it on the night. I don't like to leave things to chance. I like to see 12 rounds at a pace against fresh sparring partners nonstop to know, okay, 
I've watched him do 12 rounds at a pace with six different people. I know he can do 12 rounds with one person. Ticked. Well, sticks. That's how I want to do it. I'm, I'm a consummate professional, always been. And now Derek Chisora is for the first time. He knows in himself. He can walk to this fight. He said to me the other day, you know, when he's in the change room before a fight, he always goes, oh, I wish I did this. Or I wish I did that. Or, you know, I wish I, you know, I wish I did more sparring. He has, he can't, he could not have done any more. We have an ideal checklist of what we want per round. Let's say it's 30 rounds per week of sparring. We want for this week, 35 rounds for this week. We want this many weight training sessions. We want this many uh, day, uh, afternoons off. We want the, we have a list of all what we ideally want in a perfect training camp. And we adjust it. You know what it's like, Matthew. You, you, you know, you, uh, yeah, don't you, get a, arm, you get a cold, you got to adjust it. Okay, let's take sparring out my neck, you know, train your neck. There's always something that happens that you readjust stuff. For some weird reason, we haven't had to adjust anything. We haven't had to have one day off in the last eight weeks. Not one day off that wasn't scheduled. The, the day off is always on a Sunday. And that's the only day he's off. It's the only day off he's had in the, in his in this whole training camp is on the Sunday. We haven't had to give him a day of any, any other time. They've all been hitting all the markers at every time. He's been tired. He's been exhausted on occasion, but he's been getting his rest. He understands I can work optimally, but I need to sleep. I need to rest. And he's been getting to bed early. He's been having the nourishment, the nutrients. We've been checking his blood levels, making sure that his immune system's strong. We've been covering all the bases, the massage, the everything. We've the, the physiotherapy, the chiropractors. You know, we've really gone above and beyond making sure even the water that the alkaline water that he has, the green juices that they're organic juice, the organic fruit we get locally farmed. We've gone so far past what is considered acceptable in boxing to get him to this point right now. And this is it. He can't be any better. If Derek Chisora is ever going to win a boxing match, it will be on Saturday night. Well, David, you've obviously gone the, you know, the, the, the full shebang in preparation. And as you said, every box is getting ticked. There's no injuries. He's having the rest of his mental. It seems like the stars are aligning. Yeah. You're super confident. What are the areas where you're a little concerned or worried? Not necessarily because of preparation, but game plan and, Usyk strengths. Where are you thinking? What are the what are the things you've got to watch out for? <sighs> Derek's in a. In, it sounds crazy, but he's had a perfect training camp. He's never had a perfect training camp before, so he's going into a fight with the unknown. He doesn't know how he reacts to a perfect training camp. Sounds crazy, but he go normally goes into a fight knowing that he's got kind of like just over half a tank. If there's twelve, if a full tank gets you twelve rounds, he's got you know three quarters of a tank, and he then takes a minute off on the ropes to recover, gets battered on the ropes, like you've seen him do on loads of occasions against Carlos Takam, pinned against the rope, getting punched up, and then that's he comes always, back. That's because he's always trying to conserve a bit of energy because he doesn't exactly. have full faith in his fitness. Exactly. So he's never had full confidence. So now he has full confidence. It's like, is he going to do? I know it's, it's that's the little bit of unknown for me. That's the bit of like, how is he going to perform? I don't know how he's going to perform. He doesn't know he's going to perform, but I guarantee on, in theory, he should perform better than he should perform better with a full tank than he does with half to three quarters. So I'm, 
I, I'm, it's the unknown. I don't, I like to know stuff and I don't know how it's going to respond. I'm, I'm, I'm quietly confident that what we're going to see is positive. You know, we're going to see more head movement. We're going to see a better foot adjustment. We're going to see Usyk not being able to do the usual tricks he does to everybody else on someone who you would definitely think that will be able to run rings around. You know, if you think about Derek Zora, think about Usyk, you think, how's Derek going to get to him? It does make sense. You know, all Usyk's got to do is keep turning him like he's turned all of those great world champions of the past. Right? Olympic champion, he did it from these. He just knows how to do that thing that someone like Derek wouldn't ordinarily know how to deal with. But fortunately, Derek's zoned in and he uh, he understands the tricks that Usyk does, which are very predictable if you know what they are. If you not, if you not, haven't studied him, and we've all studied Usyk plenty, so we know what he's going to do. Unless he does something he's never done before, we're prepared for the Usyk. And, and, and for Usyk to be as successful as he has, he has to be consistent. He can't just change his style all one day. You know, he's had the same. If you look at Usyk in the amateurs, he's the same as he is right now. He's had his style. My style was the same. If you watch me uh, when we boxed in the amateurs together, yeah, and what you can see, if you blurred my face, you see, I asked David, hey, I just, yeah, I just got my style. Same thing with you. We've got our styles. And same then, pattern of movements, isn't it? Same pattern of movements. So you can only change it so much. That's what we've done with Derek. Derek can't change what he does. We can just refine what he does and make it purposeful what he does. Even if someone makes a mistake, okay, if you make the mistake all the time, Let's go with that. Let's go with that mistake and turn it into a positive. I'm not going to give too much away, but there's a there's, 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 you can as long as you're aware of you're aware of what someone does, you can turn negatives into positives. And um, someone like Usyk is consistently successful at what he does. So we need to work with that, knowing that what Usyk's going to do. We now we can build our we can build our. Um, st- our game plan around Usyk, around Usyk's attributes. We're working with what Usyk does best. You know, we've built, that's what we've done. We've, we, we haven't hoped for a Usyk bad night at the office. We can't hope for that. We're, we're aiming at the very best Usyk. And I'm confident going into it. If Usyk does what he does throughout his whole career, Derek Chisora will have an answer for him over a 12-round distance at heavyweight, giving away, you know, or Derek having the 20 kilo weight advantage. Hey, everybody, this is Moto G Pete from the Nokomoto Motorcycle Podcast. Join us every week while we rate, review, ride, philosophize, and generally obsess over every single motorcycle make, model, and style that could possibly exist, plus news and racing. That's the Nokomoto Motorcycle Podcast from Moto One Podcast Network Studios. So that sets up the fight absolutely perfectly. Um, I'm just going to segue now into something slightly different. Uh, I was trying to think of a clever line to make the link, but there isn't one really, so I'm just going to crash into it and do it anyway. I've always been keen to talk to you about your fight against Jean-Marc Mormack because it is a much herald, unheralded rather, uh, away win. We did a, a series over the summer called Make or Break where we spoke to fighters about fights which were absolutely pivotal to their career, which sometimes didn't get the most attention. But had they not happened, then the rest of the career may have been completely different or in some cases may not even have happened at all. So for you to get to the stage you eventually got to where you were challenging for unified world heavyweight titles because you were a world heavyweight champion, 
you have to do what you did at Cruiserweight. And the biggest fight, it seems to me, in, in that journey was going away to Paris to take on yeah. the unified champion, John Mark Mormack. And it is fair to say that it didn't really get that much attention. It didn't get any time. attention. No, it got no attention whatsoever. It was sandwiched between uh, a Ricky Hatton world title defence and a Joe Calzaghe world title defence. My fight didn't even get bought by a UK um, uh, network until I think uh, 48 hours before the fight. Frank Warren, I think Satanta Sports uh, bought it for peanuts from um, Canal Plus, um, the French channel that was screening the fight in France. And no one knew about it. It got no, no one saw it. It was just one of those fights that meant so much to me, meant so much for the fans, the hardcore fans, the fringe fans didn't know it happened. You know, people it's now... Quite, it was one of your best wins, wasn't it? It you was. The floor to win. Exactly. I got knocked down in the fourth round and he had a type of style for me that was very tough you know he was short compact come forward forced me to fight at a closer range than I'd like to um similar to Jacob Fragameni when I fought Fragameni defending my European title in the final eliminator for the WBC title at York Hall you know I got a bad cut over my eye I got pushed to the limit was able to knock him out in the ninth round and Mormek was just a bigger stronger more accomplished version of Fragameni so a lot of people didn't really give me a, a chance no, I, I'd lost up until uh, a few years prior to that against Carl Thompson. When the gang got tough, I got going. You know, I got stopped there. They got the, they uh, Adam Booth threw the towel in to save me for another day. So yeah, um, well, you, put, you punched yourself out in that fight, didn't you? Completely. Exactly, exactly. But people thought that was what was going to happen when I stepped up to world class. You know, after I lost to Thompson, you know, I think it was um, Jim Neely. I think it said, you know, my career was in tatters. You know, they thought, you know, all of the hype that had built up, I had 10 fights, 10 knockouts. I was the next heir to the Cruiserweight Championship. And there was me exhausted on the floor, getting beaten up by effectively a 40-year-old Carl Thompson, who was at the end of his career. So a lot of people went cold on me there. And it took a lot, a long time, a lonely time, getting fighting for not much money, fighting in leisure centres in Bracknell, fighting in small shows in York Hall, where no one, you know, no one really knew what was happening, fighting Reading. Next thing you know, I get an opportunity to go to France to fight on a Don King promotion against a guy who, who held the WBC, WBA and IBF championships and the ring magazine belt. You know, they, they stripped him of the IBF right before I bought him, right before him, but he was the unified, you know, number one in the division and no one knew about it. And I got paid very just over a hundred thousand dollars for that fight. It wasn't a big fight. It wasn't a big payday, but I knew I, if I was going to be the man I said I was going to be, I was going to have to go and win that fight. And once I won that fight, which I did, I got knocked down, but I managed to knock him out in seven rounds. I was then effectively a free agent to go and have the big unification fight with Enzo Macronelli at the O2 Arena in my hometown, where I got paid proper money then. You know, that's when You're I first started getting the seven figures from that point. That's when it really got serious. Up until that point, I was just sort of just getting by. My, 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 what I was earning was just about paying for my training camps. You know, I used to spend a lot of money on training camps and sparring on in preparation for the time it, I was in there being the big fights. And um, it paid off. It worked out. I then unified the belts with uh, against uh, the long reigning WBO champion, Enzo Macronelli, who was on your on your podcast the other day. And um, then it was, I was then the Usyk of that time, gave up the belts and fought Monty Barrett. And, um, you know, next fight was the heavyweight title and I won the belt. So it can be done. 
Usyk's probably looked at that. He's looked at the way Buster Douglas was knocked out. You know, 30 years ago last week it was against um, uh, the, the real deal Holyfield. It can be done. It's been done by two people. I believe he feels he's good enough to do the same. But I, but he needs to get past Derek Chisora first. You know, you can't think about world titles if he, if he can't beat Derek Chisora. And in his mind, why would he believe he can't beat Derek Chisora? I beat Derek Chisora. Dylan White beat Derek Chisora. You know, the you know he lost in Monaco in a real underwhelming fight. He's, you know, Usyk should be ultra confident that this is going to be an easy win for him. Very, very confident. If he's not confident, I, I'd be surprised. But he's going to be surprised when that first bell rings and it gets real, real dark, real quick. Because the the type of heat Derek's bringing, no one's been strong enough to bring it before because he hasn't fought anyone big enough to do that to him in the professional ranks. So those 10-ounce small gloves, no head guards, no, no referee breaking it up. No, this is going to be a very physical fight. It's going to be a tough fight and he's going to take places. He's going to take Usyk places he's never been before. Really and truly, Derek Chisora is, is, is coming in. This is, his, this is it for This is it for Derek Chisora. This is his life and death. This is it. Does Usyk believe this is his life and death fight? Does Usyk really in his heart believe he's going to have to fight better than he's ever fought ever before in this fight? I don't think so. I think he just thinks it's a marking time fight. But Derek Zora knows this is it for him. This is it. Nothing else happens if this fight doesn't, if he, if he doesn't win this fight. So he's, he's lived and breathed it. I, lo- I love the, um, I love those stories. And, I, and obviously, Dave, me and you go way back from the amateurs. I remember speaking to you before you went to France to fight more and that. And, you know, you talked about $100,000, but you backed yourself. You yeah. believed yourself. Yeah. When you rolled the dice and you went in for that fight and then you come out yeah. the other side of it, your career yeah. just another level. And yeah. I suppose that's what Andy was referring to when he said there's, there's a point in your career or there's a fight. Mm. Sometimes it's a, a period, there could be a few fights, but where you rolled the dice and it hadn't gone your way, yeah. your career would have been very, very different. Exactly. But you did. You did roll the dice yeah. and it worked out. Yeah. And, you know, the rest is history. <sighs> Do, do, is there any to draw any parallels to to that to this fight? Because you know Chisora's not really rolling the dice, is he? He's you know he's last night. He's a, he's had a great career. Is it? You know some people might think ah, listen, Chisora's cashing out. It, you know what I mean? Uh, De- Derek Derek Chisora. Off the bat, we've had to take a forty percent pay cut for this fight. Derek could have just waited until crowds are back and and. Uh, just delayed, delayed it until there was more money in the pot. But Derek realised he will never be in this shape again. He can't get his body to do what is done now. The, the thought of a year of pain, of grinding through, of periodization, just doing strength sessions, heavy lifting. During during um, lockdown, Derek was in the gym every day. He was lifting heavy. He was he was he was putting all the work behind the scenes. He's been working nonstop building himself up. And one thing we've been really clear on that he doesn't burn himself out, you know, so to make sure we, we, we build him up, then we give him a, we give him a week off here. So to recover, then we'll come back and, and gradually he's got stronger and stronger and stronger. He's got fitter and fitter and fitter. All of the, the numbers on the Versa climber, all of his runs, all of his sparring sessions, all of the punches per round, per everything's just gone the right way until a week ago he did, um, on last Saturday, he did a 12-round circuit where he emptied the tank. A 12-round circuit. He's been doing consistently for a year, but the numbers he was hitting on this 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 12 this 12-round 12 circuit 
was better than he's ever done before. Pushed his heart rate to the limit and he recovered afterwards. He recovered. How do you feel? He goes, I'm okay. If he'd have done that three months ago, that same, so he'd be in hospital, but his body's adapted. You know, his heart is in, he's such a big man. He's so big. He's so strong. He's never really tapped into that strength. He's never really worked. In it. He's got Ruben Tabares and um, John Ramos working his strength and, condition, strength and conditioning. He's lifting, he's squatting, he's deadlifting, you know, making sure every element, his neck, his wrists, you know, his ankle mobility, everything we've, we've really made sure that there's as, as few weak points as possible. You know, so few weak points that it's like, what more, there's nothing more we could have done to him. We could have got any expert from anywhere in the world there's nothing more we could have done to get him in better, better condition. That's why I'm so confident because I, I just, you know, I can't see what Usyk can do to keep him off of him. And if he does, it's just, it's going to be so exciting. This fight is going to be so exciting. Oh. I'm, la- I'm laughing, I'm laughing here, David, because I'm looking at Andy Clark, looking to come in, and I'm thinking to myself, we were gonna, he's trying to take us away from the Usyk Chisora and get talking about your own career. And I'm thinking, here's David A. He's just turned from fighter to promoter. He's promoting this fight better than anyone. Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. I, honestly, I think I could ask you anything now. I could ask you literally anything and you would you would skillfully manage to segue it back around to the fight on Saturday night. And that is your job now. And and actually, that does provide me with a neat link. So well done, Macklin, to the next thing that I was going to come on to, which is... The fact that you are his that you are his manager because that that was a that was a pretty unlikely turn of events when when we heard that announced um, not that long ago a few a few fights ago a couple of years thing, ago yeah one thing, thing I've always wanted it was two it was two years a uh, week I think two years a week ago it was that we started um, that, I, that we announced that I was I was man- Yo, I'm DK, co-host of the One Star Recruits podcast. My best friend Rip and I host five-star athletes, celebs, business leaders, comedians, and coaches from around the world. Each week, I can guarantee you the show will always have great laughs, catch up on life's in relatable ways, and have a ton of fun. We're recruiting you. We are the One Stars, which means we can ask the questions that no other podcast asks to guests like Joey Chestnut, Evander Holyfield, Bobby Hurley, Jenny Finch, Ryan Lochte, Montel Jordan, New guests every week, compelling interviews that you want to hear. Check us out wherever you get podcasts, One Star Recruits. So one thing I've always wanted to ask you is when you were in that press conference room in Munich, I think it was in in February 2012, you'd gone there to work for TV yeah. And he was in the fight against Vitaly Klitschko. You were looking to get a fight with Vitaly Klitschko, was, yeah. was was what, as I understand it, what was happening on Twitter all the time. You see these kind of like memes or gifs or whatever when something escalates quickly, and yeah. that situation was kind of tailor made for one of them. <laughs> so when you see him get up from his chair and yeah. kind of roll down the room towards you, honestly, what's going through your head? Are you kind of thinking, "Oh, I wasn't really expecting this." Yeah, well, I, yeah, I. I yeah, I was there, you know, me, me and Vitaly Klitschko, had, yeah, we've been negotiating for months, a fight between ourselves. We got all the terms, agreed finances, and he just went quiet on me. He went completely, just went quiet and quiet on the team. And I went there to do the commentary, but it was to, to call him out after the fight and say, what, well, you know, we agreed the fight. 
what you know if you don't want to fight just say it but don't just blank me you know we you know, the fans want to see the fight i i believe you know our stars will gel so let's make the fight happen and, but as i'm talking to him there is always piping up and giving me some verbal i'm like i don't want to talk to you i'm here for you just lost i'm here for vitali then he gets up I'm like, oh here we go i didn't i genuinely didn't expect it to escalate like it did and i was um I was so upset with myself because once once I go, I, I I go. I got like a bit of a fuse, and once once the it's fuse tough. goes, it's hard to put a lid back on it. And uh, yeah, I sort of I sort of lot lost it for a little while there, wielding tripods and all sorts of craziness. And uh, yes, but I remember thinking after after that that night after that, I was like, no way am I ever fighting that guy. I'm not going to give him the satisfaction. I can't believe he dragged me down. I'm not. I'm there to fight Vitaly, and I'm rolling on the floor with Derek. I'm like, this is not what the, I, I don't want to give the guy the satisfaction of a payday. To I'm I, next thing you know, it's front page in the, the the Sun. Disgraced boxers, you know, they should be banned for life. Everyone's like, why don't you? You know, the British Border Control give Derek his license back, so you're no 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 longer welcome to box in the UK under the British Boxing Border Control. Here's your license. Fight anywhere in the world, but not here. Next thing you know, you know um, Frank Warren gets in contact and says, you know, it's a, ter- it's a terrible thing that went <laughs> down, but I've never seen never seen this type of hype before. <laughs> Some good, good, hype. good old Frank, great opportunity. Yeah, Frank was like, this, 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 this could be, this could be, you know, I know you're in, the, I know you love it, love the big, the big, big nights, and this could be one of the biggest. And he was right. He was right. I've never known a fight to have such hype, such excitement, such, you know, polarizing opinions. You know, some people were saying the fight shouldn't happen. It's a disgrace. Other people were saying, I don't really care who sanctions it. I just want to see these guys without offense in between them. Because the last time we saw them, there was bottles thrown, there was tripods. It got real serious real quick. Let's put some gloves on these guys, put them in a ring, and let's have these guys fight each other. And, and it really picked up momentum and it really captured the public's imagination that to the point where the son who condemned us said front page disgrace, they were the sponsor of the event. They sponsored <laughs> the show. You know, that shows, that shows what boxing's all about is entertainment. Everyone loved it. It was a rainy night at Upton Park, but the good thing about boxing, and this was the, the good thing at the end of it, we settled our differences in the ring. We had a very, very good competitive fight. I won the fight. We shook hands. We hugged. We embraced, and that was it. You know, and, I, and that was it. That was the end of it. That, that the beef that we had was completely eradicated from that point. Once our fight was after, we gave each other a hug. He earned some money. I earned some money. The fans got a fantastic night of entertainment. It was just a, it was just a good night all round. We all got our license back with the British Boxing Board of Control. And we all moved on with our careers and we was onwards and upwards. We all carried on with our carried on with our lives. And that's when he when he contacted me, you know, six years after that, and wanted a meeting. I didn't really know what he was, I didn't really know what what he wanted. And when he said he wanted me to manage him, I was like, okay, I wasn't really expecting that, to be honest. <laughs> wasn't expecting that. But maybe what he's seen, what I've done in my career, he's fought me, so understood that, you know. He's way, first off, he's way big. He was three stone bigger than myself. But for some reason, I was able to walk him back in the clinches. It wasn't because I'm stronger than him. I can guarantee you that. 
I can't out deadlift him. I can't out squat him. I can't out bench press him. He's just physically much bigger and stronger than me. But you know, why you know, able to walk him back? You know how to get into stronger positions. Exactamundo. That was the difference. And I think it was that, that he, David knows something that I don't know. What was it they know? And have a guess what? It was London shoot fighters, you know, Alexis, Marius and all the guys down there working with me, doing pummeling, doing wrestling, doing foot positioning, you know, do, working in the clinches, pushing and pulling, and then doing boxing, wrestling, boxing, wrestling, boxing, to the point where I could wrestle and go back to boxing and remain sharp. When most people do wrestling, their arms are knackered and they can't quite get their timing right. I was able to maintain my speed and timing with the wrestling. Derek realised that, and I think he wanted a bit of that. And that's what he got. So when he started working myself, I brought all of the infrastructure, all of the team that worked with me, the Rubens, you know, the, my, my, the Aidens from the nutritionists, from every element, you know, uh, Oleg, the massage. I, every, all of my team that worked with me over the years that I've, I've handpicked the very best in the world to work with me, to, get, to make my small body able to beat these giants. Now I've given them to Derek Tazora. And Derek Chisora is flourishing. He's now the best. I'm so glad that Derek Chisora I fought in 2012 didn't have the team he's got now because it would have been very, very, very different. It would have been very different indeed. And um, this Derek Chisora is the best version he's ever been at any age, at any age for sure. As you know, clinching and wrestling, mm. you know, it really saps your energy. Yeah. You're not used to it. Is that going to be half? Is, is that the plan to get Derek, into the Derek's going to get inside. Derek's got to work for every second of every round. He's going to have to get in close. It's not going to be easy to get in close. He's going to get pinged. And that's, that's not, no, Derek isn't under any illusions that he's just going to be able to walk into range. Derek knows not only is he going to have to walk into range, he might have to take some stick on the way in. That's, that's part of the, Derek's never been a Pernell Whitaker defensively. But his defence is better than it's ever been. And he's going to close that gap. May take three rounds, may take four rounds. But at some stage in 12 rounds, we're going to have a shootout. We're going to have an exchange where Derek Chisora is going to be swinging big punches. Usyk's going to have to try to, to get in between those big punches to land his tricky little uppercuts with his little hooks or try and step around the side. And he's going to cut cop one on the top of the head. And he's not going to like the reaction his legs are going to give him, and he's going to be in, he's going to be in he's going to be in a a world of trouble. He's going to be in a world of trouble, and he's going to have to fight. And when he starts fighting a real heavyweight, it's going to get very, 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 very painful, very fast. And you know he's going to have to do things he's never had to. He's going to have to dig deeper than he's ever dig, dug before. And it's going to be interesting to see how he deals with it. Okay, so we won't keep you I too much longer. I brought it back to Chisora. Yeah, yeah, you did, you did. That's where you go. Honestly, I, I, I could open inside. So and you didn't, you didn't even know how I did it either. You didn't even know I did it. I could, I could open oh, the encyclopedia, God. pick out any any word at random and, and start talking to you about it and you would get it back to Usyk against the draw. <laughs> but that's exactly why you're in the job that you're in. Uh, just to finish off, though, um, how have you found... <laughs> not being a boxer. I know that when it came towards the end, yeah. you couldn't continue physically. Yeah. The, the the body the body just wouldn't do it anymore. I, I've never quite worked out whether that makes it easier to accept. It makes it way you... easier. Way, way easier. It's like, I know, the, the only way I could liken it to is if Roger Federer, for instance, uh, went out and played someone, 
you know, who who was ranked number 50 in the world, for instance, and then wasn't able to return a serve, lost in straight sets. Be a bit, bit embarrassing for him. It's like, I'm way better than this guy. Why, why can't I now do what I used to do? So, you know, he would just retire. He, he's got too much of an ego to just get beaten by people that he knows he's only losing to because he's, his reflexes are gone. He can't see the ball anymore. It's like, how many times does he need to get beaten before he realizes this isn't fun anymore? I'm not enjoying it. Although I'm going through the training camp of tennis and I'm now at Wimbledon not returning one serve in a game takes the shine of the tennis. You know, tennis is great when you're winning, <laughs> just like any sport. That's about getting punched in the face. Now imagine well, Federer doing a sport. Now imagine Federer's doing a sport where he's getting punched in the face. He's ripping his Achilles tendon. His biceps snapped off the bone in this game as well. It's like maybe my health might be not being not very beneficial for me. You know, you can't compete. It just it got to a point where I'm like, you know, I had to then start lowering the type of uh, the sparring I had to do. I couldn't, I could no longer do the level of sparring because my body couldn't do that anymore. And it's like that. It might be enough to get through this fight. I'm hoping it will be, but it wasn't. You know, so I, there's to, for instance, I wouldn't be able to spar with the Wilders and the 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 Maris Vax and the, all the guys, the Carlos Takams. I used to bring in the biggest, baddest, scariest guys, line them all up, and spar them all. I'm now going. Okay, I can't. I can't. I won't be able to make it through the spar. I might. I might be able to make it, but I'd rip. I'd rip something off the bone. I'd tear a muscle. I'd get injured. I'd rip my neck. So it's like, okay. I had to then start taking my sparring a lot easier. And the moment you then change that, you then you then it's just it's just not the same. Then once you got to start adjusting. Once you've got to worry about who you're sparring with, how are you supposed to fight that? It's like, you can't expect to be the best in the world. You, just, you know, you might just have enough to squeak through that fight if that guy isn't on his best form. But when you're fighting someone like Tony Bellew, he's got a great coach like Dave Colwell. They know that. They know what they're doing. They've been in the game long enough. Tony Bellew was past his best when he fought me. He'd, he'd seen better days physically. He, I'm sure he got way more injuries in my training camp than he had five, six fights before. But he just wasn't as over the hill as I <laughs> as I was. And what happened, a fight later, another training camp, another uh, abuse abuse of your body. Because training camp is abuse of your body. To do a real training camp where you go to the limit, you have a lot of trauma on your body. You know, it's irreversible damage you're doing to yourself. You can only go to the well so many times. It gets to the point where just getting through a training camp is as hard as the fight itself. And it got to a point where I'm, I can't run, right? For instance, I can't run now because my hamstring's gone. I can't do any bounding because I can't skip because my Achilles gone. I can't do any weights with that arm because my arm snapped off the bicep, my bicep snapped off and I'm still doing rehab on that. But I've got my right hand, but my right hand, my I tore my, my subscapularis in my right hand, but I don't worry, then I've done my back as well, so I can't do deadlifting. So you're like, what can I do? Okay, I can do some shadow boxing here and I can do that. You, you, you can still get yourself, you can still do it, but it's just not to the level it once was. You're, and it, you're blagging just, yourself, aren't you? You're kidding yourself. Yeah, you are. Be okay, but yeah. you really need that. Yeah. No, it's not enough. But I did. Is, the thing is, I am, um, I, I mute it then. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. You're thinking, oh, the I'll thing be is, right. I, 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 
I don't, I think I don't, I was, I was lying to myself, but I don't know that I was lying to myself. It was, it was subconscious. I believed it. I've never ever in my life walked to a ring and not 100% believed I was going to win. Even the second fight against Bellew, in my mind, I thought, okay, my, my Achilles snapped in the first fight and, you know, he wasn't really, you know, he got me out of there in 11th round. But the fact I was able to go all those rounds with him on one leg, I'm like, when I've got two legs, even if one leg ain't 100%, I'll be able to, but then go, okay, my bicep as well. My, I've got one arm, but don't worry. I'll, once I land that right hand, it's like you, you trick your own brain to believe you got what it takes. And it's only till it all just goes and you're just on the canvas looking up thinking, what the fuck happened here? Do you think? Okay. And even after that, you're thinking, oh, well, if this would have, maybe if my arm would have healed a bit longer, maybe if I'd gave my leg a little bit longer to heal, maybe. But then am I doing the same thing again? And it gets to the point where you're like, even if my Achilles was completely fine, even if my bicep was fine, my reflexes wouldn't be, <laughs> weren't as good. So it's like you still, you, my, my skill and my strength has always been being able to see what the other guy does and be able to counter him without thinking about it. Most of the time I've knocked people out. I didn't know I was going to do it. I'm just in there. Next thing you know, they're on the floor. I'm like, bloody hell, that was good. I wasn't thinking. I was just reacting. The moment you've got to start thinking, okay, he jabs. I'm going to slip this way on the front left hook. You've, you've already been hit in the face. So it got to a point where that that lag, that 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 little tiny fraction of when he does this, then you get hit. Next, we know you're on the floor looking up at the referee, thinking, "What the hell did I get hit with? I, I didn't see him throw any punches." That bit is the bit that let me know that that was done at that level. It's uh, it's uh, it's a wrap, ladies and gentlemen. It's time to it's time to sail off into the sunset and uh, you know talk about the old day, the good old days. Well, you've made a good transition into a manager. But let's leave it there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have, I have. Yeah, pretty, pretty quick. Well, I did a transition to a poker player first. I actually, after I um, finished uh, my box, I did a deal with uh, Grover Casino where they taught me how to play poker. They gave me all the best coaches in the world. And I learned to play poker. And after over a year of learning the rules, I was able to go into you know, the biggest poker tournament outside of Vegas, Goliath in a Coventry and get him within the 0.1% of the field. So I learned how to play poker, but I cashed in the World Series of Poker in Vegas in, in the Philippines Nation Poker Tour. So I threw myself into that straight away afterwards. I really enjoyed that. Obviously, this year... You're still, you're still doing that now? No, they've cancelled. The World Series of Poker was cancelled. Asian Poker Tour, I was supposed to go to Vietnam, I was supposed to go to the Philippines, I was supposed to go to all these different poker tournaments. COVID came and there was no poker. So playing some online, but I'm terrible at online poker. Every time I lose, it's really frustrating. So, um, yeah, so I like live poker. I like the chips. I like looking at people's faces. I like getting a feel, getting a read of the table. I really like it. Um, so I'm looking forward to getting back around the poker table, getting back to Grove Lucy, getting down to the Vic and playing some, playing some poker. They've got little plastic things between you now around the tables. So, you know... You know, the world's changing. The world's changing. <laughs> Frotz loves a bit of poker, doesn't he? It's, it's, he it's... does. It's good. We haven't played each other. We haven't played with each other before. You know, I, I, I reckon I'll beat him pretty easy, to be honest. I've seen, I've heard, I've heard his... Uh... Pardon? I've just done a free scholar, Frotch. 
I don't know what he wants. <laughs> he's probably like, he's probably asked me asked me to go and play poker with him or something. That's what he's trying to do. Now, yeah, yeah Carl's, Carl's a good player. He's a sponsored poker. I think Party Poker is sponsored by. So he goes around the world playing in different tournaments. I think he went to Bahamas to a big tournament over there in Nassai Nassai Island over there. So he's a, he's a good player, poker player. Uh, uh, Carl Frampton also he likes a bit of poker. So there's a lot of uh, boxers seem to like the compact the com Bativeness of, of poker and looking a man in his eye and staring him out when someone goes all in, you look at him, but yeah, let's have it. I like I like yeah, the trying feeling. Trying to outthink someone. What's that? Trying to outthink him. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it, there's a lot of parallels with uh, poker and boxing, but I, I I I didn't quite get it to start off with. I if I was playing with someone who I think I could beat up, which is pretty much everybody, whenever they went all in, I saw it as like a challenge to my manhood, and I felt I had to go all in with them even if I had no cards. And uh, it took me a while to just be able to throw my cards away because I felt weak. I felt less of a man to fold a hand. And, I, and, and the coaches were like, honestly, David, it's nothing personal. It doesn't make you a, a, it doesn't make you a punk by throwing a crap hand away just because someone's gone all in on you. So um, I'm, I'm better now, though. So I've got a little poker, a little poker all down the gym. I've got a little, 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 little den down there that I play poker from time to time. You guys got to come down and play. You play, you play, don't you? No, nah, I don't play poker. I don't even oh, know how to play. You're my perfect candidate. For, you're definitely coming down then. <laughs> bring, bring, bring some dough down. And we, I'll teach you how to play it. <laughs> it's interesting that because as a professional fighter, you're taught to never, ever quit. But in, in certain other pursuits, the, knowing when to quit is really, really important. Um, and poker poker is definitely is definitely one of them. Yeah, I've, I've, I've never been that. I've never, and I've, I can't quit. It's like a horrible thing. It's a horrible feeling in any walk of life. I hate giving up. I hate like not going to the end. And uh, that's why I I was always going to go out like I did in boxing. I was never, you know, in my mind, I wanted to retire when I was 30. But I went out on a loss. It's like, ah, oh, it's not, you know, if I would have beat uh, Vlad, uh, uh, Vladimir Klitschko on paper, I always said from the age of 10, I was going to retire at 30 before my 31st birthday and I'd be 20 years in the game but I lost that fight and I was like oh that's not how the, the the story's supposed to end and I just kept chasing that dream of becoming heavyweight champion again for another eight years after that never it ne never materialized but it was all I would never have quit until I knew that you know the uh the the, the body the body was the body's done the well was dry the well was dry and um that's why you got a I actually really like the fact that Roy Jones is fighting Mike Tyson. I really like it because they're both in a similar age bracket. They're both former living legends or still current living legends or other, you know, former best guys. They were at one point, they were the pinnacle in boxing. Both of them were different times, but having them by, by having them guys fight each other, it's still Tyson, it's still Jones. It's like, yeah, it's like, I want to see it. I really want to see it. I'm looking forward to it. I know everyone goes, oh, it's terrible, it's bad for the health. I'm like, do you know how many punches both of these guys have taken in the head for so long? You really think one last fight against each other is going to make any difference to that? You know, they, they don't, they won't have the punch resistance that they once had to keep coming forward. I mean, so I'm sure if Tyson nails him a big overhand right, he'll get him out of there. If Roy Jones hits him with one of his triple left hooks, he'll get Tyson out of there. It's like, but they're both going to get paid. They're both going to give everyone a, a great night's entertainment. And I'm like, crack on. Like, good for them. It's an exhibition fight. 
it's not like it's for a, a real world title. It's it's just for the at a time where we're not getting to see all of the fights we want to see. You know, the champions fighting. You no, know, we don't see the Anthony Joshua's and the Furies fighting each other. We get Roy Jones. We get Roy Jones, and Mike Tyson, two guys who formerly were at that level fighting each other. So I'm I'm all for it, and I I, I think as long as neither of them. I don't think they physically have it in them to go to a point where they're going to get hurt. I, I just, I don't really think that's, I don't think that's going to be, be a proposition. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a worry. Um, so I'm, I'm just looking forward to seeing it. I'm looking forward to them to going at it. Have you got some kind of promotional role in that fight? I'm beginning to. No, I'm not at to- all. I just love both <laughs> fighters. I just love, I just, I just love both like, fighters. I wanted, I wanted to see Holyfield and Tyson. That was the one I wanted to see. I wanted to see Holyfield and Tyson. Um, because I love Holyfield. Holyfield's like one of my favourite fighters of all time. And, um, you know, I've always, always loved Holyfield and love the fact he's always remained in shape. Part of, but I've never seen, I've, I've been out with Holyfield. He's always rock solid. And, you know, I always, I always like fighters who look after themselves. Same, same thing with Roy Jones. He's always been in shape. You know, Tyson's bloomed up, let himself go over the years. And I think that'll be the difference in this fight. I think how a fighter looks after himself as he gets into his later years, particularly his 50s, um, show you know is a bit is a big fact is a big factor. So I'm always I'm always big on you know looking after yourself and remaining healthy. I'm probably as fit. As, I'm not no not as fit cardiovascularly, but I'm physically um, in a in a good place um, as I was. I was probably I'm probably in better shape now. Sounds crazy than I was in my last couple of fights physically. You know I, I'm probably better now than I was then, but um, that still doesn't mean I'm ready to get in the ring. Yet. <laughs> Okay, well, we'll leave it there. We'll leave it there. Thanks very much for thanks very much for doing this. You've got a few more hours um, in your room yet, cooped up. Um, but hopefully, by well, the how time long, how long we've we been chatting for, how long we've we been talking for, an hour and a quarter. Bloody hell! Like I know I've talked, can I? Have, no, have, no, have no. I mentioned that there's a big fight on Saturday night with Alexander Yusuke and Chisora? Have I mentioned I thought, how exciting that fight is going to be? Have I, have I, did I get the point across? I think I think I think you have. I think you've done a fine job of that. I, I suspected you might be able to squeeze it in one more time before we finished. Uh, <laughs> Sky so, box office, that was it. So so thanks 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 for um, for sparing us the time. Uh, we will see you on Saturday. Uh, both very much looking forward to it. And for everybody listening, thanks very much for, for tuning in. We will be back next week. In the meantime, stay, stay safe, everybody. And old Lucy Brown. Yes, that line falls on the right, babe. Not that Maggie's back in Podcast Network.